The Paranormal Chick here. Welcome to episode 13 of my podcast. And it's only fitting on this mystical number day that we continue our talk about vampires. I am going to share with you some personal witness testimonies to their encounters with vampires. This first story is actually more of a legend or a myth if it's to be true. It was set in 1895. It comes out of the northwest county of Dawes, just around the Pine Ridge, or just around Pine Ridge. At the end of 1895, they saw a number of brutal attacks against many herds of cattle and the men who tended them. Even the animals from the wilderness became occasional victims of these attacks. The twist was that these vicious animal-like attacks were committed by a man. A man many swore was an actual vampire. The attacker would hunt down the animal using only his bare hands as a weapon. He would wrestle the beast to the ground and proceed to tear the unfortunate creature apart with almost supernatural strength. Many times he was witnessing, he was witnessed lapping the blood of his victims the way a dog laps water. The local stories also suggested this person was a madman. No one knew for sure about this individual's origin, but he had been seen numerous times in December of 1895. Many had even tried to capture this man or man-like animal. All attempts were unsuccessful. There is a report of a Jack Lewis, a cowboy working ranches around the Black Hills and northern Nebraska prairie, having a personal encounter with the vampire. Lewis and a small group of wranglers had been on the range for several days in mid-December. This one particular evening, he had wandered away from his companions for some personal time. He dismounted his horse and was about to begin his meditation. From out of the shadows of the early evening on the winter prairie leaped the vampire directly at Jack Lewis. The cowboy was knocked to the ground and the beast clawed at his neck, alternatively trying to choke Lewis. In the moments of struggle, Jack had managed to draw his firearm and fire off a round or two. The gunfire attracted his companions, who quickly arrived on scene. The killer fled, but was pursued by several of the cowboys on horseback. The beast managed to elude riders as dusk drew, grew into night, eventually making his escape. According to the story, Jack Lewis was badly torn about the face and neck by the man's teeth. They were also shocked as he described the attack by a frothing assailant trying to bite his throat. So during those times, there was kind of that fear that was the only known entity was a vampire. This attack almost sounds more like a werewolf attack or in the new age trend, dogmen, but they reference it as a vampire. You'll have to decide for yourself on that one. These next series of stories, they're three personal accounts. All three individuals would like to remain anonymous. So I've titled them by the venue that they had these encounters at. The first anonymous was the Zen Music Festival Vampire. And this is her story. Years ago, when I was 18, my best friend and I had gone to the Zen Music Festival in Miami. It started at 10 p.m., I believe. It was an 
outdoor arena, seeing as it was essentially a rave. People weren't really going to be showing up till around midnight. There wasn't much to do, so my friend and I were just chatting away from the stage. There was no one else around that we knew of. Out of nowhere, someone tapped me on my shoulder. We turned around to find a woman that appeared to be in her early 20s. She started some basic chit chat and I noticed she had fangs. Not so unusual. You tend to see things like that at raves or fetish parties. I did take notice after a few minutes that there was no way that they were plastic tooth caps. Of course, if she really was committed to impersonating a vampire, she could have had dental surgery to have her, to give her nice long fangs. Who knows? Anyhow, she was very formal while speaking and I felt very uncomfortable around her. I don't know why. I find it easy to I find it easy to talk to pretty much everyone if I'm approached, but there was something not right about her in general. She pulled out a little pamphlet that showed you how to do heroin, etc. We gave it back to her and she asked if we wanted to come to an an after party her group was holding. We declined, but she gave us the address anyway. We turned back to the direction we had originally been facing. We both commented comment that the whole situation was odd, and I looked back to see if she was still nearby, but she was just gone. We weren't near any groups of people for her to disappear into, no bathrooms, no exits, and not even 15 seconds had passed and she was just gone. Although having no intention of going to the party, we decided to drive by the address she gave us just to look at it. It was a rather large two-story house. Our guess was that it was probably had six bedrooms or so. All the lights were on and no one seemed to be there. And there was someone sitting on the roof. Obviously, we kept on driving. But of all the people I've met at events over the years, none of them have stuck with me quite like this one. Did I meet a vampire? Maybe, maybe not. To this day, I don't know. One thing that I noticed when researching vampire encounters, witness testimonies, is it doesn't matter who is recounting their, their encounter. It always goes down. It always boils down to one fact that they all, all of these witnesses state, and it's the feeling that they get when they encounter this being, this person, this other. They just know it. they're not human. It's very interesting. This next anonymous witness, uh, I have called this one Manfred Kreshner. And you'll find out why. She states, I admit I have written to Anne Rice about my account of my encounter with a vampire. I find it interesting that she wrote, she first wrote Interview with the Vampire in 1973. The book was published in 1976. I didn't read the book until 1980. Upon reading the book, I felt, I felt she may have met the same person I met in 1973. I have never received a reply from her. I do realize that she probably gets thousands of emails per month on her website. I had wrote to her in 2001. I have told my story several times to several different people and always get the same response, one of disbelief. Although my mother and sister sometimes still tease me, 
asking, do you remember when you dated that vampire? I am now 51 years old. 34 years ago, I was 17. In that summer, I was working for the U.S. Forest Service as an intern through a government program called the Neighborhood Youth Corps. We planted trees and dug potential firebreak lines in forest of northern Idaho. A firefighting crew came into town midsummer, since it was particularly dry summer and was on hot was on standby just in case they were needed. Among that crew was the most beautiful young man I had ever seen. He had long blonde hair, perfectly symmetrical symmetrical features. He reminded me of, of more of a more refined version of Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin. He was tall and handsome and everything I thought I would give up my virginity to. I spent a lot of time just looking at him. He apparently noticed and began talking to me when the crew came into town from their forest stations. He asked me out and I was ecstatic. We met for dinner several times, always late after 10 p.m. He never ate, urging me to order whatever I would like to have, and he would have a glass of wine. I never knew how old he was, but the drinking age in Idaho at the time was 19. He also had a European accent of some sort. He said he was from Germany. We would part at the restaurant. He never made any attempts to kiss me, which I thought very strange since every other guy I had dated prior was always all over me. One night I suggested we meet at a, at a place very near to my apartment, as I planned to ask him back to my house afterward for whatever. You got it. I wanted him. Fast forward to my apartment. After opening a bottle of wine and chatting, he said he wanted to take me into his confidence because he really liked me. He continued to say that he doesn't usually tell anyone the truth about him because it scares people. Okay, I felt that little, that first flash of fear. He then went on to tell me that he was from Germany and was over 400 years old, and he was a vampire. I didn't know what to say, so I asked, what do you mean, vampire? He said he was from an aristocratic family and was chosen and attacked by a vampire in his family's estate. He was made a vampire by his attacker. By virtue of what he had become, he left with his other vampire and traveled all over the world. He came to hate him so much that he branched out on his own in France after many years. I asked him if he drank blood and killed people. He paused and said that yes, sometimes he chose to take a human life. At this point, my fear was turning to terror. He was either a psychopath with a really interesting story or he was the real thing and I was about to die anyway. I told him he was scaring me. He said that he thought he probably would and that was not his intention. It was hard for him to make friends when he felt he could trust somebody. He would tell them the truth about himself since his lifestyle was not ordinary and needed the acceptance of what friends he had, he had to maintain a friendship with. He also told me that he knew I was expecting to have sex with him and that he would agree to that, but that sex was really no longer pleasurable to him, although he knew it was pleasurable to normals.
By this time, I was really freaking out. And I said, I think you should leave. I remember he looked really sad. He said, of course he would leave, but he wanted me to think about being friends with him. I said, I don't think so. You need to leave. He got up slowly and picked up his jacket and reached inside his jacket pocket for a pen and paper. I was really shaking by this time and thought his every move was a ploy to kill me. But he wrote his phone number at the camp on a piece of paper and said, if you change your mind, call me. And then he left. When he walked out the door, I was trembling so badly I could barely dial the phone. I called my mom to come and get me to take me home that night. I told her I just ended a date with a really creepy, scary guy. I paced the floor until she got there listening for any sounds that might indicate he was breaking into my apartment. I told my parents and they said I did the right thing by calling them. My dad said it's time for me to move out of that apartment and I did. I never called that guy and I never saw him again. His name was Manfred Krishner. I have never forgotten him. I thought he was a psycho until I read Interview by a Vampire by Anne Rice. I have wondered for 28 years now if he is who Rice called Lestat. Believe me or not, there you have it. This witness goes on to give her her side of the story and kind of explain what she was feeling during that time. I hope you understand I didn't have any context to put my experience into. My only knowledge of vampires were what I had seen in movies with Bella Lugosi as Dracula. There were no underground cultures of fang wearing goths or the internet to look things up with. There were no novels to reference to. There were no computer games and Star Wars hadn't even come out yet. Industrial light and magic wasn't even heard of. Dungeons and Dragons was just something starting that college kids played. I was only 17 and the world was a much different reality than it is now. Why was he drinking wine? I don't know. People lie about their age. I am at that age now, but I don't peep, I don't tell people I am 400 years old. And I don't recall him having fangs, and believe me, I looked once he started telling his story. I've had a long time to speculate about him. Maybe the real vi vampires don't fit into Hollywood or popular fiction category of the mythology. I do remember that he used the word normals, not mortals. He said normals. Why did he frighten me so badly? It was his demeanor, his honesty. I thought he was going to kill me or make me a vamp make a vampire of me. It was like seeing someone's shape shift before your eyes with no discernible difference in their physical appearance. Like seeing something you never believe could be real, like a ghost or a Bigfoot. Why do we get chills in the presence of the supernatural? You just feel it. It makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Ultimately, I believed him. And I think that's what scared the hell out of me. Before the night of his confession, I sensed there was something not right or strange. 
I thought it was because he was from another country. At least that's what I was telling myself. Yes, I was attracted to him sexually, but I was not in love. Women that love or marry murderers, I'm apparently not of that persuasion. All I know is when I read Anne Rice's first book, there was something familiar about her telling the history of humanized vampires that rang familiar with what he told me of himself. Suddenly, I had a context to put my experience into, and having read that book for the first time, I had some regret that I didn't answer more, ask more questions. I have no answers, only the memory of my experience. Her story is absolutely phenomenal. And keep in mind, she is well, cl now closer to her 60s and still remembers this as if it happened yesterday. Did she encounter a real vampire? Did she encounter the fabled Lestat? We'll never know. This next story is again from an anonymous young woman. She was at a rave. This is her story. My friend and I decided to go to a rave party. I paid for it with my birthday money and got both of us in. To give you more of a perspective of where I was and what I saw, I will give you a description of what I saw from where I was and where I was in perspective from where I stood. The place the rave was being held was in a big warehouse building that normally held conven conventions and flea markets. There was two stories to it with the main lobby. From the main lobby there were many big heavy double doors leading into the ground floor area. Just before that there was a small set of stairs with a landing that had two sets of long stairs leading up to the second floor, branching off, leading opposite from each other. On the second floor, there were railings around and down the opening stairs, looking down into the lobby. I was standing at the railing of the stairs at my right, leaning against it, seeing if my boyfriend at the time had shown up. He didn't listen to my directions on how to get there because he thought he knew where he was going from Yahoo Maps. Idiot. I'm never wrong about directions on maps. I was taught at a very young age from my dad how to navigate using detailed road maps. To this day, I have a hard time with left and right, but know my cardinal directions very well. Anyway, he was showing up, he wasn't showing up, and never did that entire night. When I was looking into the lobby, many people had shown up. I don't even know what time it was, but I do know that part was just that the part was just starting to catch its wind. The lobby was crowded, full of ravers of all kinds girls in their tight small tops and lots of glitter, men dressed up with black, with backpacks and visors, and most of them wearing pacifiers or beaded necklaces around their necks. As I was looking through the crowd hoping to see my boyfriend, I see this man in a black coat with blonde hair smoking a cigarette. I couldn't tell what kind of jacket he was wearing with him, he was walking through such a big crowd, but I knew he was walking against the crowd and looked to be heading towards the exit. That struck me as odd right off the bat since the party was just starting. 
While he was walking through the crowd, the moment I noticed him, it clicked. I don't know of any other way to describe it. It just clicked in my head. The moment I saw him, I just knew. I felt it and I knew it. He was a vampire. The moment it clicked, I nearly jumped. He stopped instantly within the crowd of bright colored people with his back facing the small staircase leading onto the landing. His cigarette was maybe inches from his mouth. His body didn't move, but his head turned around and looked directly at me. Almost if he was looking through me. It was the scariest moment of my life. I don't know how he did or exactly what he did, but I knew he was the one who made it happen. The moment he looked at me in the eyes, it was a glare, a deep straight into the soul, mind and heart stare that gave me the feeling, the thought, the faint in images of him ripping my throat out if I didn't back off and stay away. I froze in fear, but managed to gather enough strength and gut to push away from the railing and out of view of the lobby area. My friend looked at me and asked if everything was all right and if my boyfriend had shown up. I said yeah and no and rushed back to look back over the edge of the railing. He was gone. Nowhere to be seen. Nothing but a sea of bright colored, colored glittering people eagerly awaiting the music and drugs. I still to this day have no idea what to think about that. I was sober and I can only assume I'm sane and competent enough that it wasn't just a momentary lapse of sanity. So that's all I have for you tonight. Tell me what you think. Are all of these witnesses, the feelings that they have, the encounters that they experienced, could it be drug-induced? All of these people have stated that they were completely sober. They hadn't started partaking in any of the, the booze and drugs. So did they see what they really saw? Do we really have vampires among us? And these aren't just, you know, encounters from the 1800s, 1700s in Europe. This is here in the U.S. It's very interesting. Well, that's all I have for you tonight. As always, I want to hear your, your feedback, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And if you have your own experiences, your own stories that you would like to share but would like to remain anonymous, you can. Send them to me. I would love to hear them and I would love to share them. My email is theparanormalchick, C-H-I-C, at gmail.com or theparanormalchick, C-H-I-C, at iCloud.com. Any type of videos, if it's easier for you, you can send it to me via Instagram. I'm also on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter as The Paranormal Chick. I will upload this full episode to my YouTube channel. Other than that, my friends, good night, stay safe, and I will talk to you tomorrow.